So as you can see on the screen, the question that we're starting this sermon series with is, how do you live out your faith in today's world? If I understand the spirit and the heart behind this question correctly, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the questioner noticing the challenges of following Christ. She's feeling the, the squeeze of the world and its many temptations. She's uh, noticing how others are compromising their faith, and she's tempted to do so as well, but she also knows that if she's going to stay faithful to God, she can't make compromises. So what does God's word say about these things? Well, the first thing I'd like to mention is that this is not a new problem. It is not like we have passed through some golden age where faith and And walking with Jesus is normal and easy, but now somehow because sinners are more sinful and the darkness is darker, that walking with Jesus is more difficult today than it was years ago. God told us many, many years ago in Ecclesiastes chapter one, what has been is what will be. And what has been Done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. Of the things that matter, friends, nothing is new. There's a lot of new things on the surface. You know, social media is relatively new. iPhones are new. We didn't have those in the 50s or 60s. Hearing aids the size of pencil erasers, those are new. Uh, Seats in our cars that warm our bottoms in the wintertime and cool them off in the summer. (laughs) That's new. Boy, I sat in someone's new car and I thought, well, this is interesting. But of the things that matter, nothing is new. And you know what? That's really good news. That what you need to live out your faith today is the same as followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago. You're being tempted to, they were being tempted to compromise faith just like we are tempted to compromise faith. You are being tempted towards greed just like they were being tempted towards greed or immorality, dishonesty, fear. Just like the churches Paul planted 2,000 years ago. And again, the good news is that this word that was given to them to help them follow God and walk well and live out their faith in their world will be just as helpful to you when you seek to live out your faith in today's world. This is not some special time or special era where we need special grace. That kind of thinking, I think, feeds a pride that we don't want to have. We're just ordinary Christians living at, in an ordinary time. And thankfully, we have an extraordinary God who's ready to help us. And the passage, I think, that will be helpful to us comes from Ephesians 4. So I'd invite you to grab a Bible and turn in your, those Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Testament. There are Bibles in the seats near you if you did not bring a Bible with you today. 
the first three chapters of Ephesians presents to us glorious truth of God's mercy and grace. It's a beautiful bedrock of, to build your life on. And starting in then in, in chapter 4, Paul starts instructing this church in Ephesus how to live. Because of who God is, because of what he has done for you, live your life this way on this sure foundation of God's character, sure foundation on God's work for you in Christ. And that's exactly what he wants to help these Ephesian Christians do. He wants them to walk well. And that's exactly what we're aiming to be helped by ourselves today. So we're going to read, starting in verse 17, going through verse 24. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, reads this way. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and that you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, or really man there. The best translation would be the old man. Put off your old man, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We know that Paul is talking about how to live out your faith in today's world by what he says there in verse 17. In fact, we just talked about this, I think, just a week or two ago, that walking is this metaphor for living the Christian life. And we see that here in Ephesians chapter 4. Don't walk. Don't live your Christian life like the Gentiles. Now, in this context, that, that we're Gentiles is a reference to, to people who, who don't know God. Gentiles means nations or peoples. And here, clearly, Paul is referring to the Gentiles as people who are living a life contrary to the ways of Christ. And so really, the the first thing that we see about living our Christian life in today's world is that it should be the opposite of those who, who don't know God. Well, that's a big surprise, right? Of course. We don't want to live our lives like those who don't know God. Your, your life will be different. You'll spend money differently than those who don't know God. You'll use your time differently. The things that come out of your mouth will be different than, than the things that come out of the mouths of those who don't know God. You'll stay committed in relationships when those who don't know God won't stay committed to relationships. You'll be humble when those who don't know God will be proud. And so even as we get started here, I know there's a lot more to, to see and to read. Let me just ask you this. Do you see a difference in your life? How you encounter challenges? 
how you interact with people who, who hurt you. Do you see differences in your life to those who don't know God? Would, would you lo- live your life differently? Would you, would you encounter the, the world and its many challenges and obstacles and opportunities differently if you didn't know God? You know, that's convicting to me, if I'm honest with you, because there's times when I look at my life and thinking, Brian, <laughs> wouldn't your faith in Jesus compel a different kind of life than a life lived by those who don't know God? When you think of our question again, I, I, I want you to primarily lean towards action and behavior, okay? So walking, living your faith is about, about what you do. It's about what you do day by day. And I think the text actually suggests that, implies that, especially in verses 19 and 20, the second half of verse 19 and verse 20. So, so get the feel here. Don't walk, don't live like people who don't know God. Well, well, what do they do? Well, how do they walk? Well, we're told they're given to sensuality. That's a, that's a reference in the New Testament to um, sexual desire. They're, they're given to their sexual desires. They, just, they do what those desires compel them to do. People who don't know God, it says, are greedy for all kinds of impurity. And so, you know, it's not hard to imagine, I don't think, the, the, the variety of ways that we can go wrong, that we can make missteps. And, and, um, and it says that people who don't know God are greedy to keep going after these impure things inappropriate things. That's about action. It's about what you do. That's about your behavior. And I think actually this is a good rebuke against our tendency to think that faith is largely up here in our, in our head. That we have faith in God by, by what we know or what we think. And so, and I just, I, I just read this um, a week or two ago, and it just kind of, it's so simple. And so I want to share it with you too. Write it down somewhere. I, I read this little phrase that Christianity is more than a belief, it's a life. Christianity is more than a belief. It is a life. How you live your life. Now, Let me talk out of both sides of my mouth right now. This new life that Jesus died to give us starts with a change in our mind and in our hearts. Okay, It's not the end game. That's not where it ends, up here in our mind, in here in our hearts. But it is the beginning. It is the beginning. And I think, again, we can see that in the text. Do you see that there in verse 17? Look where the Gentiles go wrong. Don't walk. You must no longer walk like the Gentiles walk, like those who don't know God, how they walk. Well, well where do they go wrong? In, their, in the futility of their mind. That's where they go wrong. We see also then in the very next verse, verse 18, the same kinds of words. They are darkened in their understanding. They have this alienation from God because of the ignorance that is in them. Again, ignorance has to do with what they understand. People who don't know God get it wrong by how they think. They don't believe things that are true. 
So how do you go wrong in your mind? Well, that's, that's really the principal way you go wrong with your mind. Here is something true, and you don't believe it, that it's true. And then here is something that's false, and you do believe that. You believe what's false, and you don't believe what is true. That's about our mind. Again, those words, ignorance, darkened understanding, futility of mind. And because of this poor thinking, you're cut off from the life of God. You can't know God and walk with God when you are walking in the darkness, in deceit, and you're rejecting the truth. You cannot. You cannot walk with God when you're rejecting the truth. Now, but where does that come from? That darkened understanding. Why why do some love what's false and hate what's true? That's where I was before I met Jesus. I loved what was, well, the answer is actually in the text. Did you see that there at the very end of verse 18? Why do some have a darkened understanding in ignorance? Do you see that there at the very end of verse 18? Due to their hardness of heart. That's not so much what a person thinks. Do you know what that's about? That's what, about what a person wants. That's about what a person wants. A hardness of heart is about desire. It's about what we are committed to. Not because it is true or false, but because we want it to be true. Do you know many of the things that we're stubborn about? <laughs> it's not because it is true or false. It's because we want it to be true or false. So much, friends, of how we are guided is based on our wants, what we want, what our desire is. Now, how in the world does that get fixed? Where, where do we get fixed on the inside with our desires? And if I could just, I'll just tell you the answer. That, friends, that's, that's the miracle of the new birth. That gets fixed by the miracle of God's grace. That when we encounter God through the truthfulness of Jesus and his message, that he died for our sins and that we can be forgiven by him and brought into his, his family, God changes our hearts. He makes us receptive to him. He makes us soft to his truth. He makes us eager to know what is right and good and true. And so when we experience God's mercy in the new birth, when we're born again to a living hope, then we become ready for the truth. We're given eyes to see what is true and false. And then our lives can begin experiencing the change that we need to have on a day-to-day basis. Okay? Now, Paul and the the rest of our passage will get into the strategy of how to walk well, how to live out your faith in today's world. Okay, there's a strategy of action. What we just got done talking about, that's the foundation. We won't walk well in the world without having a soft heart ready for the truth of God's word that comes when we're born again, when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ and accept that, that we receive that, 
And then when our hearts become soft, we believe what God's word says is true. We believe what God says is true about ourselves, about him, about our world, about money, about relationships, about the importance of uh, the local church in our lives, about sexual ethics, about everything. When we become alive to God through the new birth, we start wanting and knowing and being eager for the truth about everything. And we need this truth to inform our thoughts so that we can start putting into action the the right and necessary steps that that we need. So, So what is that strategy? What's that strategy of action that we need to build on this foundation of God changing our hearts and giving us his mind? Well, we start seeing that in verse 20. Let's read verses 20 through 24. Paul wrote here, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Meaning, you didn't learn Christ by by thinking you could keep living this life of sensuality and, and, and greedy for impurity. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old man, which belongs to the your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new man, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So let me just summarize here the strategy, I think, of walking well, living out your faith in today's world. The strategy is simply put, you have to put something off and you got to put something on. That's what That's what Paul is saying here. You got to put something off. You got to put something on. Now, there's a lot more. And so let's get into the details of that. That first step, that strategy of putting something off. Let me summarize it this way. We will walk well when with new minds and new hearts, we put off or we look away from the old way, the old man, that old self that belongs to the darkness of the present age. Notice the strategy of walking well has nothing to do with fixing something out there. It's about in here. To walk well. Again, I got to say it. you, You can't lose the foundation with the new mind, with the new heart. Walking well means I put off this old man old self, old, the old ways of walking that are connected to the darkness of the present age. When I say put off the old man, here's what I mean by that. I think this is what the scriptures teach. It means our attachment and identity with the old manner of life we used to walk in when we didn't know God. We got to put that away. You can't keep being identified by and attached to the old manner of life which is connected to the darkness of this present age. You can't walk well then. You you won't. You have to put it aside. Think of Adam after he sinned, bound now to darkness, bound now to death, prioritizing self-love rather than love of God. That's the old man. 
He is the old man, and that is the old man in you. That connection to Adam, his darkness, his sin, the death that comes with it, the self-love that he and Eve had in searching and reaching for that fruit, not trusting the, the good providence of God. Have you seen, have you perceived, my good friends, how susceptible and how tempted you still are to the old life that's still rooted in Adam's sin? Temptation doesn't just magically go away, does it? Now, praise God, some of that might. You know, I know for myself, when, when, when I experienced that new birth power of God, there were some things that just changed, but there's a lot of things that didn't just change. There's a lot that didn't just change. And so I have to, you have to put it aside. In fact, did you notice? You, you have to learn how to put it aside. It's part of your training. L- look, at, um, look at verse 20 again. Look at verse 20 and 21. But that is not the way you learned Christ, meaning when you learned about Christ, you heard and were taught that he came to save you from your sin, but also to save you from your sensuality, also save you from your greedy for impurity. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off the old man. And so can I ask you, were you taught this? I'm eager to know if you were taught this. Were you taught that Jesus has come to save you, not just from the penalty of your sin, but to save you from your own selves, if you will? Those old desires. Did you learn when you first heard the gospel that the freedom and the joy that Jesus died to give you was a freedom from the old manner of life that you were living, which is corrupted by deceitful desires? If you were not taught this, I am sorry especially if your primary learning has been here at FBC. I have failed you. That is the case. But that's changing. Because I'm going I'm to teach you it right now. Okay? This is part of our, our learning in Christ. Even when we are in Christ, if we are trusting in him, believing in him, hoping in him, our old manner of life rears its ugly head and and we're still lured by deceitful desires. They're out there. I'm hoping you can perceive them in you. If you you can't perceive them in you, that's a bad sign. That means you're unaware of how the darkness is trying to tempt you to fall away from the living God. They're there. Become aware of them. That's why I often gasp when I hear Christians say things like, trust your feelings. Because God's given you a new heart and you now have these new feelings and you can trust them now. That's not exactly true. Yes, it's true that when we are born again, we are given new desires, we are given new aspirations. But what's often not mentioned is that the old deceitful desires are still at work. And we are not always so perceptive in in discerning the difference between 
the desires in us that are good and right and leaning towards God and the ones that are leading us astray. And to walk well in the world, you have to put off the old man. It takes work, it takes diligence, training, but it's a must. And so that's the first strategy. Here's the second piece of the strategy. There's more, Paul says, that you've learned and were taught. Verses 23 and 24, look at them with me, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So again, there's this, it, the foundation is what, how our thinking, that's where it starts, and to put on the new man, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now think with me, if Adam is the old man, whom you were connected to in sin, who is the new man? Right, Jesus. Jesus is the new man. Get connected to him. Put him on. Now, how do you do that? How do you put on Jesus? What does that mean? Well, let me, I'm going to say it very, I'm going to try to say it as simply as I can, and then I'll fill it out a little bit more. But I wanted to really make it practical, but I, I, risk, I risk leaving out a part when I try to make it simple. Um, the words righteousness and holiness here in this passage They're used in a variety of ways in the Bible. A variety of ways. The way I think they're being used here is merely a reference or primarily a reference to good works. Put on Christ by doing the good works that Christ has done. By doing the good works that Christ has called you to in his word. The the good works that he demands of us as his followers. Put them on. The reason why I think they have to do with Putting on the good works is because what are you putting off? You're putting off sensuality. You're putting off the the greedy desire in you for inappropriate and impure things. That's about action. And so you you gotta fill your life with other action. And the other action, the other behavior that you need to fill your life with is the good works that Christ is calling you to do. That's that's why I think he's calling us to put on the good works of Jesus. Now, I've hinted at this before, but that's part of your training in Christ. Like, this is not just automatic. I think that we think far too much in the Christian life is just automatic. Like, it just happens. Like, we just download it from heaven when we're saved and just, we just do it. It doesn't work that way. It's trained behavior. It's learned behavior. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live out self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Training. It trains us how to do it. Training requires work. Training requires effort. That's almost like a naughty word in our kinds of churches. Effort. Because there's another E word that is a little more naughty, and that's the word earn. We think that if we put some effort into something, that must mean we earn it. And what is God's salvation in Christ? It is a gift that we're given. Praise God for that. We can never earn that. We can never earn anything of God. But that doesn't mean that there is not effort There's effort in training. 
There's sacrifice, practice even. There's even practice. You know, I mentioned giving earlier. Some of us need to practice giving. We need to like, practice it to get better at it. That's how it worked for me. I need to practice it. First few times, well, this isn't, I don't like this much. Well, I'm going to keep practicing. That's just the way it works. At the risk of being simplistic, I think a key word here for you to go home with is the word obedience. Living out your faith in today's world looks like obedience to Christ. It's putting on the good works of Jesus, his righteousness, his holiness that he modeled for us when he walked on this earth before his death and resurrection from the dead. It is also doing the good works that he right now commands to us through his word. Obedience. Think of how radical a life of obedience to Christ might look like today. You know, we've, I'm I'm guessing you're not blind, unaware of all this going around in the world today. Ugliness in our politics, the sensuality and worldliness in our entertainment, the greed from the richest to the poorest. You don't need to be rich to be greedy. Some of the most generous people I know have a lot of money. Some of the greediest people I know don't have much. It's about what's going on in here. Now it's in your, in your bank account necessarily. Friends, you will stand out. You will make a difference. Your faith will be a bold witness by living an obedient life to Christ. It starts, of course, by having this new heart given to you by God when you become a follower of Jesus when you hear the good news that Jesus died for sinners, sinners that could never earn an acceptance before God. And that he died on the cross, Jesus did, for, to forgive us the sins, to pay the penalty, so that we could be in a right relationship with God. We could be a part of his family. We are born again in that moment. And when we're born again, God gives us a new mind, the mind of Christ. And with the mind of Christ, we look at God's word, we read his truth, and our heart says, yes, we agree. I think his way is right and true and good. That's what happens when we have this new mind. We see the truth as it is, and our spirit agrees with it because God's spirit is working inside of us. And then when that happens, as we start eagerly pursuing the truth, we start learning now what we need to put off and what we need to put on. Because without that mind of Christ, we don't know what to put off and put on. But with the mind of Christ, we do. And so I want to encourage you, my, my good brothers and sisters, clothe yourself with the character of Christ, his good works. All of this is called obedience. And when you're obedient to God, because of your faith, you will Walk well. You will have a faith ready for the world. That's God's word for us today.